Hello and welcome to the mashup, your number one source for sports gaming and everything in between. I am your host, Jake Patterson, and boy, do we got a lot to talk about. Some COD news I uh, did not expect came out of absolutely freaking nowhere on Tuesday. And uh, yeah, wildcard weekend happened. We'll get to that. We'll get to some college basketball, and we will wrap up the show with my thoughts on the premiere of The Last of Us on HBO. People who know me know I love that game. And, um, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll get to my opinions on the show, because if I, if I start talking, I will continue talking about that for the next 20 minutes. So, we will move on, kind of, the show literally just started, to Call of Duty. <laughs> Obviously, from the music cue, that is what we are kicking off the show with. But, big news out of the uh, Call of Duty competitive scene, maybe the biggest news the scene has ever had, because... It's first and so far only, because got to remember, COD Esports, in the grand scheme of things, still not that old. Its original greats have only really started to retire in the last couple years. The one, the only, Seth Skump Abner announced his retirement from active competition just seemingly out of the blue on a random Tuesday like just just drops this nearly six minute long epic of a video of him having a big party with basically the entire optic crew and announcing tearfully that he is he is stepping down from the active roster and is just going to focus on content. Like we knew this was going to be his last season. He announced that before the season even started. And even before he announced it, people were kind of getting the vibe that like okay, maybe Scump is done. Like he had that whole sit down with Hector that was like like a retrospective on his entire career. Then he had the, this is my last ride video. And then after a, um, less than stellar showing at the first major, he's done. Like they, he played what one week of qualifiers. Yeah. One week worth of qualifiers for the Boston major played exactly one match. Yeah, because Ultra London, Breach Rocker, Legion Seattle, Meteor's Gorillas. Yeah, there's only one Optic game that has been played so far in this round of qualifiers, and it was against Boston. So uh, he beat Methods, and then he's just like, I'm done. And and Methods gave him crap for it. Like, lighthearted, obviously. Like, this son of a bitch beat me and then hung it up. Like, very funny response. Very funny response from Methods, honestly. But yeah, Scump has officially retired, and now 
Dashi is back in the starting lineup. I mean, he's he's a better AR than than Scump is because Hoop coming and joining the roster moves Scump to AR anyway. And now, like, Hook and Shotzi are the SMG duo. And Dashi and Illy are the ARs. My one question. Dashi had some not-so-great things to say about Rambo and the rest of this Optic team when he got benched. Like... What is that going to do for their chemistry? Are they going to have any at all? Or is the XEO trio just going to hate their fourth? Because, like, that's a very real possibility that that Shotzi and Illy could still be mad at him. Like, Seth said said in his retirement speech, like, bridges need to be repaired. But, like, he wasn't there. I did not see him in that video. Like, Shotzi was there. Ilya was there. Formal was there. Hector was there. All of TST was there. And, like, most of the... Most of, like, the -the behind-the-scenes optic people were all there. I did not see Dashi in that video once. And it was a six-minute-long video. So that's, um... You know, more than a little concerning for for the current state of the optic roster. Like he went on the flank and he ripped them a new one, Rambo included. Like I don't know how they're gonna manage this. Like I genuinely don't. But we'll see. They they got the second game of the weekend against Seattle. Which, again, very interesting because they made it abundantly clear they wanted Pred and Surge just kept raising the buyout price and Optic kept agreeing to it. They they agreed to a $2 million buyout. And Surge still shot it down. And they went and signed Hook instead. Clearly, Hook is only good when he's playing with XEO. (laughs) Because he looked the best he's looked in years. Literally since the 2020 season. Playing with these guys. But I I genuinely don't know how this roster is going to work. Because they, they can say they buried the hatchet all they want. There has to be, there has to still be some level of bad blood. Between at least Dashi and Illy, or uh, Illy and Shotzi and Dashi. Like, there has to be some level of bad blood there. I mean, I don't know. I don't know these guys, obviously, but. Like, you can't just forget him going on the flank and absolutely ripping you. But it's going to be, let's see, what's. What's the schedule looking like for this weekend in terms of the games? Let me 
New York Subliners versus FaZe is the last game of the weekend. That that should be interesting. Just because, you know, current current major champs against a a very beatable FaZe team. <laughs> like maybe they turned it around with that win over Seattle, but I don't know. They're I'm still I'm still not sold on this year's phase. Like they're clearly not as good as they were last year. Maybe they're going to start to turn it around, but uh, I don't know. That is, that is a lot of ego There's a lot of ego and phase as an organization is kind of falling apart at the seams right now. Like their stock is way down. They absolutely should not have gone public. Like, they, they should not have gone public. And now, and now, like, FaZe as an organization is in some deep, deep shit. So, I don't know how much that's going to affect, like, their rosters. Like, clearly, their Halo roster is doing fine. They just won Spartan Snowdown with, like, a, a roster that can actually compete with Optic. Which at the end of last at the end of last year, like after after Orlando and after Worlds, a roster that could truly compete with Optic that wasn't C9 now SSG was straight up unthinkable. Like a roster outside of that that now space station roster being able to compete with Optic, let alone beat them like FaZe did, which was rather convincingly. That was that was unthinkable, but they, they got a really good team now. Got a really good team. I think I think the Halo team's outlook is is better than the COD teams at the moment, unless they just go on a tear heading into uh heading into Boston. But I think uh I think all the optic games are going to be worth keeping an eye on just to see what this new optic roster does and like what the green wall looks like going forward without scump as a part of the roster like he's going to be part of optic forever he's probably already got a plan to get an ownership cut in the next year if that like maybe before the end of this year he 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 takes a piece of that pie because he's earned it. He's absolutely earned it. He's been on Optic basically his entire career. Like he joined Envy for a week, realized it was a mistake, and came back. And now Optic and Envy are the same org anyway. It's like has he? I keep forgetting. Has he played anywhere else? Has he played literally anywhere else? Esports Wiki. Not really. <laughs> like this, this uh, Apex Esports NA team. Like they're they seem like an an amateur team, and he was he wasn't even there for a full. Uh, <laughs> he wasn't even there for a full three months. Like you got these other teams he he played on when he 
when he started. But other than that, like since he went back to Optic in May of 2012, Optic Gaming, May of 2012 to January of 2014, Team Envy, January of 2014 to January of 2014, 13 days. Uh, Optic Gaming for uh, five and a half years. Chicago Huntsman for a little over a year, which is basically just Optic. Heart and soul, anyway. Optic Chicago, Optic Texas. Like, since he, like, fully joined Optic in May of 2012, he has been part of basically the same org the entire time. Unless you count the Huntsmen, who were technically owned by NRG. But at the same time, like, Hex was in charge. They were green. And all of the previous Optic fans were not cheering for OGLA. They were cheering for that. And, like, they had the bigger fan base than OGLA, even though OGLA had the name. And Immortals was like, all right, this isn't worth it. Sold the Optic name off. And here we are. So, yeah, this guy has basically played with the same orc his entire career. Now that those literally two weeks with Envy have now folded into, they are now the same orc. (laughs) Like, Hex and Hastro are both running things. So, this is... This is a very much a new era for Optic. And those games are going to be incredibly important for setting the tone for what they are now without him. But yeah, that's that's the CDL side of things. Let's Let's talk about the actual game. On the actual game front, uh, Season 2 supposed to launch on February 1st, which is what? Uh, exactly two weeks from when I'm recording this. That has now got ext- been extended to the 15th, day after Valentine's Day, which, um, guys, uh, the, the my, my fellow gamers, just the ones who aren't single... Uh, if season two is any good at all, you better treat your girl right on Valentine's Day. So maybe you'll be able to enjoy season two. <laughs> like, treat her right on Valentine's Day. You'll be able to enjoy season two on the 15th. Just putting that out there. You know, do with that information what you will. But season two has been delayed, and we all know what we want. Question is, will Infinity Ward give it to us? You know, Infinity Ward, the developer famous for giving players things they want and then taking it away two weeks later. You know, shipment 24-7, just constantly rotating that playlist in and out that everyone actually wants to use, and replacing it with Shoot House. Or, you know, just not making good maps other than Shoot House and Shipment. Like, this update needs to have good maps, plural. Needs to have new game modes, 
plural and needs to have new weapons and cosmetics and all the other stuff that comes with a a seasonal drop. But the big thing, they need to get off their fucking high horse acting like they know better than the player base and give us the real mini map back. Like this this crappy mini map that they created in 2019 that just allowed people to play like the biggest bitches ever. Get rid of it. It sucks. Everyone hates it. The only people who like it are BR players. And with Battle Royales getting very clearly very stale, thank fuck. Who gives a crap what they think? Like, Battle Royales are getting stale, and hopefully Call of Duty sees the writing on the wall and realizes, one, their their DMZ mode also isn't great in terms of, like, extraction shooters. Tarkov is still very much the king on that regard. And, like, extraction shooters are never going to appeal to a wide audience. They're way too hardcore. Like, they're never going to appeal to a wide audience. That's the whole point of what made BRs blow up, is they're so freaking simple. But that simplicity is also what's dragging them down now. And it's beautiful. So maybe reinvest in real multiplayer! That is what made you. You may have gotten high on all the all the money you made from Warzone... When it launched at the absolute perfect time, you know, oh, a free game launches a week before everyone's locked in their house for a year. Like, you overinflated how, and players did this too. They overinflated how good Warzone was because of the memories of playing with their friends all day because they could. But see, I don't want to go back to March of 2020. March of 2020 sucked. I don't want to remember that. March through May of 2020 was the worst two months of my entire life. Why would anyone want to hold on to the memories of that? Reinvest in multiplayer, you idiots. That was a completely separate tangent, but I don't care. I've been holding this crap in for three years. Who am I kidding? I have not been holding this in for three years, but like I see all this stuff of like, oh, I want to go back to Verdansk. No! Verdansk sucked as a map. Warzone sucked as a game. And the time it came out sucked to live through. Why would you want to go back to that? <sighs> That's what I got for Call of Duty. I know I went on an insane tangent at the end there, but you should have... Th- this is year four of this show. Honestly, six if you count 2018. If you count it going all the way back to 2018 with the uh, the live version on, on 90.9. You really should expect nothing less from me. But 
That's what I got for Call of Duty. Let me know what you guys think. Twitter, Discord, wherever. Links in the show description, as always. But uh, that's it for Call of Duty. Up next, we'll uh, get into some NFL action and what I thought of Wildcard Weekend. That's coming up next here on The Mashup. It's football time. The playoffs are here. Wildcard Weekend has come and gone. And it was a weird one. You know, got the points-wise biggest comeback in the history of the NFL playoffs. Where the Chargers somehow managed to blow a 27-point lead. They were up 27-0 inside the two-minute warning. Was was it 27-0 inside the two-minute? No. They, They were... They were up 27-0 with about four and a half to go in the half. And then the Jaguars scored. Then they scored again right out of basically right out of halftime. The Chargers scored one more field goal. And then they didn't score for the rest of the game. Now, you would think with A failure so spectacular. They would think to fire Brandon Staley. Now, they fired the offensive coordinator and a couple other assistant coaches, but uh, chose not to fire Brandon Staley, the moron who was the reason they were without Mike Williams going into that game because he decided Mike Williams should play in the Week 18 game that meant absolutely nothing. The Chiefs had already secured the division, and the Chargers had already secured a playoff spot. There was no reason for one of your best receivers to play in that game. You give him a drive, and then you take him out. And really, you shouldn't even do that. But he decided to play Mike Williams. Williams got injured, and... His presence was clearly missed by the offense, especially in the second half. But now, the Chargers, with Doug Peterson, the quarterback whisperer, as their head coach, head on to the divisional round. And are they playing? They are playing. Who the heck are they playing? They're playing the Chiefs. Woof. (laughs) In Kansas City. Maybe they'll pull off a miracle, but you know, like everyone, everyone knows that Bill's Chiefs is what the NFL wants. Like, just like they want Eagles Cowboys in the NFC Championship game. I think Eagles Niners would be a better game, but. You know they won Eagles Cowboys. <laughs> right. The storyline of Bill's Chiefs is way better than any other combination in the AFC. And I think I think you could make you could make a decent storyline out of out of any combination in the NFC, but I think the NFL wants Eagles Cowboys. 
Because one, that's two gigantic media markets and very large fan bases. And like, you're going to get New York anyway. Like you want, and you're going to get like out more outside interest in Eagles Cowboys. I, like I said, I think Eagles Niners would be the better matchup. It's the matchup I would prefer because, you know, fuck the Cowboys. But, I mean, I don't know. If if seeing the Eagles beat the Cowboys would be more satisfying, then the Cowboys not even getting a chance. Because right now the Eagles are the best team in the NFC. I think they're one of the best teams in the NFL, assuming Jalen Hurts is at the top of his game anyway. Because, one, I just want a Bills-Eagles Super Bowl. I want a Bills-Eagles Super Bowl. I said that at the beginning of the year when when Philly started going on a run. And I was like, wait, they're actually good. And then the realization of an ECW revival show in the freaking parking lot of the Super Bowl would just be incredible. And that's exactly what an Eagles Bills tailgate would look like. It would look like an ECW revival show. But yeah, that's, uh, that, that's what I want to see. I want to see Bills Eagles. I predicted at the beginning of the season and I, or, not the beginning, but very early in the season when both of these teams were showing they are clearly very good. I want to see a Bills-Eagles Super Bowl because, one, I'm sick of the Chiefs and I I fucking hate the Bengals. I have, in the last two seasons, I have developed a blood-boiling hatred for the Cincinnati Bengals. But yeah, I I think the Chiefs will win. I think the Chiefs will, will beat the Jags. Like the Jags needed to pull out a freaking miracle. I don't know against a team with absolutely incompetent coaching. I don't know if they could do the same against the Chiefs. Unless unless they get the Chiefs down early and force Patrick Mahomes to just start thinking he needs to play hero ball and and then just throw interceptions left and right as he is wont to do when he starts playing hero ball. I think the Eagles beat the Giants. I think uh, like it's in Philly. I don't think the weather's going to be amazing. Not like, not like that is out of the question for the Giants. But let's say Philadelphia weather. You know, it's it's not gonna be it's not gonna be that bad on Saturday. It's gonna be it's gonna be cold. Sunday is what you'd have to worry about. Sunday it's gonna rain. See, so yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be pretty cold. Is that game that game's a, uh, a game and that's a night game too. So yeah, it's gonna be uh, gonna be real cold out there. Gonna be gonna be in the thirties more than likely. So yeah, that that definitely favors the very run-heavy offense of the Philadelphia Eagles. So yeah, I think I think the Eagles do win that game. 
But let's... Well, actually, no. I'll get to the bangles, because that's that's rant mode, and I, I tend to end segments with that. How the hell were the Bills even remotely scared by the Tua-less Dolphins? Like, they, they didn't have Tua. How did... How did they stay in that game for as long as they did? Like, that should not have been a three-point game. What was the line? The the line was 14. Buffalo was favored by 14. They won by three. Like, that's... That's not good. (laughs) Now, I also don't think the Bills will have a repeat performance of that, especially against the Bengals. The fucking Karen Cats. Like, with all their bitching and complaining the last three weeks, I I think, like, the Bills are only favored by five. I think that's the game they win by two touchdowns or more. And no, I'm not being salty. Why would you ask? And that that Monday game, that Monday game, the Cowboys, the Cowboys and the Buccaneers. Like, I hate Tom Brady as much as the next football fan who grew up not in Boston in the 2000s. But holy crap, that was hard to watch. Like, the Super Bowl in Tampa should have been the end. Like, that's when he should have said, I'm done. Like, this man, this man ruined his marriage. Only to have the two worst years of his career. He wasn't that great last year. He was even worse this year. He should have... He should have rode off into the sunset after that that last Super Bowl. Like, congratulations, Tom. You as an individual now have more Super Bowls than any organization in the NFL. The record for a team is six. A record you helped tie with the Patriots. You as an individual now have seven. Like, you hold the record for most Super Bowls. As an individual. Like, the previous record was the Steelers. And it took them 30 years to do it. From the first to their sixth, it took the Steelers over 30 years. From one to six, it took Tom Brady half that time. Like, you should have just rode off into the sunset after number seven, Tom. Good God. Like, the Cowboys missed four extra points, and yet they still won by 17. That's how bad they were. They missed four extra points and they still won by 17. 
two and a half touchdowns. That's just sad. That's just real sad. But let's let's talk about them. The Karen Cats. The Cincinnati Bengals. I hate to break it to you all, but no one likes you. Like, T. Higgins had everyone's sympathy because he was involved in the freakiest of freak accidents. And then immediately, within like a day, you started bitching about the the solutions that the NFL had to come up with on the fly for, again, the aforementioned freak situation where a player quite literally died on the field. Like, he was dead. His heart stopped. Maybe you could be a little understanding. But no. You had to you had to go and bitch and do that stupid coin toss celebration after the first touchdown and act like you're such hot shit when you beat the JV Ravens. Uh, barely. Like, you barely beat Anthony fucking Brown. The undrafted rookie. And then... You beat Tyler Huntley by even less. The guy who should never play quarterback in the NFL ever again. You beat him by even less. And really, that last pass, one, shouldn't have happened because the Ravens should have had some better clock management. My God, that was abysmal. He should not have tried to go over the top when Andrews and Edwards were waiting to push him into the fucking end zone where they would have been up 24 to 17. Like, you barely won that game. You barely won that game. And everyone outside of Cincinnati hates you. I'm sure most of you are probably Ohio State fans. We all hate Ohio State too. I'm sure you're blissfully unaware of this and that weird, the fucking upside down from Stranger Things that the state of Ohio is. But everyone hates you. Everyone hates Ohio State. Everyone. Like, in 2019, the Bengals were on the same level of laughingstock losers that the Browns still are. And now you are the most, like you've gone, how, how do you go from laughingstock losers to entitled douchebags in two seasons? I don't get it. I have never seen a team from outside the big four of hate be so unlikable. New York, Boston, Pittsburgh, Philly. And like, I'm a Philly fan. I don't hate Philly teams, but I know a lot of people do. And I get why. I've never seen a team from outside of those four cities be so unlikable. Like, 
even at my peak of hatred for the Toronto Blue Jays, that was mostly Jose Bautista. Like I, I have hated other players from individually from other cities outside of those four. But never an entire team and an entire fan base. Like Bengals fans. My God, you all suck. And like one of my favorite wrestlers, John Moxley, is a Bengals fan. And yet still, I, I I now have a new perspective on the entire fan base of fuck all of you. You're so annoying. You are somehow worse than Pittsburgh. I didn't think that was possible. Like, you are somehow worse than Pittsburgh. With exactly one good team. At least Pittsburgh has two. I don't get it. And I can't wait to watch you get smacked around by the Bills. Because that's exactly what's about to happen this weekend. And it's not going to be pretty. And I will be extracting all of the delicious schadenfreude from it. All that delicious, delicious schadenfreude. If you don't know what that means, it is a German word because German has a word for everything. For happiness at the misfortune of others. Shout out to uh, incredibly early 2000s musical Avenue Q for uh, teaching me that word when I was like a freshman in high school. When I when I heard uh, when I heard the album for the first time. Oh, yeah, I, th- I think I was a freshman in high school when I when I heard that for the first time. It's uh, it's an interesting musical, but that that song has uh, that song is incredibly catchy. But yeah, like it's a great word and I'm going to be extracting a lot of it from uh, watching the Bills beat the ever-loving crap out of the Karen Cats. But that's what I got for the NFL. What do you guys think? Uh, Are your teams still alive? And yeah, I know I didn't talk about the Lamar Jackson situation. That... That is a conversation for after the season is truly over. Like that is that is a conversation for after the Super Bowl. I know they've probably already started negotiating, but Lamar Jackson's a fucking troll. Like he knows he can get people to talk about him just by posting a really vague Instagram story. I don't think he's going anywhere. I genuinely don't. But that's what I got for the NFL. Up next, we'll uh, get into some college basketball here on The Mashup. Oh, I can smell it. How about you? The March feeling is in the air. I mean, not really. It's still really freaking cold outside, at least here. But it is, at least during the day, it is noticeably a little bit warmer. I don't know how long that's going to last. Because I live in the Mid-Atlantic, and this time of year, the weather likes to mess with you. Like, quite famously, 
my spring break, my uh, what year? What year would that have been? Uh, I want to say either my sophomore or my junior year of college. Week before I left, beautiful weather, like seventy degrees. The ice cream store in Lynchburg opened early. The weather was so nice. A week later, it snowed and knocked my power out. And I was freezing my ass off for an entire day. Again, this was spring break. This was in the middle of March. Like, an ice cream stand, an outdoor-only seasonal ice cream stand opened its doors a week early the previous week. So yeah, the weather around here really likes to mess with you. But that is an entirely different conversation. Because let's think warm thoughts and think of March Madness. Like, during the college football national championship game and the playoff games, there were commercials for the Masters. I don't even like golf that much. But the Masters is always, like, on the same level of the beginning of spring as the start of baseball season. Because it's usually around the same time. I think pitchers and catchers report in, like, a week. Maybe two. It's not, it's not very far off. But again, let's talk some college basketball. It has been it has been an interesting couple of days. Because Xavier has proven themselves to be really freaking good. Like, really good. The Big 12 is absolutely stacked. Like, how many how many of the Big 12 teams are are ranked? Kansas, Texas, Iowa State, Kansas State, TCU, that's half the league right there, Baylor, six. Six out of the ten members of the Big 12 are ranked. And they're all really good. There's no such thing as an easy game in that conference. Like, just look at the game that just happened between the... The they're the Wildcats, right? Yeah. The the Wildcats and the Jayhawks. This was this was in this was in Manhattan. Like it was at Kansas State. So that that's a distinct advantage for the Wildcats. Given like in-state rivalry, you want to play you probably have an advantage playing at home. But Kansas was Kansas was a one and a half point favorite, even on the road. So what does that tell you? And Kansas State got the win in overtime. The one-point win in overtime after an absolutely insane performance by Keontae Johnson. Was he was he the leading scorer? He was. Uh, oh, no. Him and, uh, him and Desi Sills tied. They both had 24. Like, shout-out to Jalen Wilson, who in a loss had 38 of Kansas's 82 points. He was nearly half of their offense. 
he he was a three away from being half of their offense. Like, shout out to Jalen Wilson. (laughs) But the Big 12 is absolutely insane. Like, same night, Iowa State gets a win over Texas. A much more convincing win, but still. Like, they're going to... There could very well, like, seven of the ten teams in the Big Ten could very well make the tournament. Six of them are ranked, and Oklahoma, I feel like, with a decent run in the conference tournament, would be able to get in on strength of schedule. Because, like, they have have a loss against Nova. They have a loss against Nova, who aren't that great right now. They have a loss to Arkansas, but Arkansas are really freaking good. Like, they, they've dropped to number 25, but they're still... Like, they're still Arkansas. They're still coached by Eric Musselman. Like, they're still going to be a threat come March, no matter, no matter what line they end up on. But yeah, I could see... I could see the top seven of the Big 12 making the tournament this year. And a 10-team league getting seven into the into the NCAA tournament is incredible. Like the Big 12, the Big 10 would kill to get seven teams in, and they have more. That would be exactly half. And they would and they would kill to get that many. But like I said, you can you can start to smell it this time of year. Like when you're watching games, you can start to feel like, okay, we are getting close to that point where we're getting close to tournament time. Which I have said many times before and I will say many times after is my favorite time of the year. That that Thursday and Friday are hands down my two favorite days on the entire sports calendar. The the Thursday and Friday that make up the round of around the round of 64 are my favorite two days of the sports year. Because I don't really do anything. I just sit down and I watch basketball all day. There's four games going at a time all day long from noon until midnight. There are four games going on at the same time all day. And then you do it again on Friday. It's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. It and and I am as far as college basketball goes, I'm I'm riding very high on the fact that Liberty are looking straight up unbeatable right now. <laughs> like I know they had a loss not that long ago. Like when was when did that happen? I know it was they just beat the brakes off of Central Arkansas, who, to be fair, are not very good. Yeah, Eastern Kentucky. That was uh was about a week and a half ago. It was on the 8th. And it was only a three-point loss. 
Their other their other conference games have included wins by 29, 34, 18, and 20. Those are their last four wins. And a three-point loss. And the A-Sun is good, but it's not that good. It's it's a beautiful thing that they are they are playing so well right now and are like one of the highest rated teams in the country in terms of offensive and defensive efficiency outside of like outside of like Houston. Let me, let me find this. Uh, let me find this graph because I, I saw it on Twitter not that long ago. Yeah, the NCAA efficiency landscape. Uh, in terms of offense. Liberty is the highest. They're like, they're on a level of offensive efficiency with Gonzaga and are ahead of teams like UConn and Kansas and UVA who are all pretty high up on the better offense axis. Because offense is the vertical axis, defense is the horizontal axis on this particular graph. And Liberty is like in their own area in terms of like being this good at offense and also being this good at defense. And most of the country is right around the middle. But the fact that they're one of the outliers... Like, they're one of the very clear outliers with teams who are ranked like Houston, Tennessee. Like there, there aren't many outliers in the upper right uh, quadrant of this, of this grid. Like, they're... They're really doing well this year and it's a beautiful thing after after a uh after a rebuilding year last year where they did not make the tournament thanks bellerman much like cincinnati no one likes you either which i mean you're in louisville so <laughs> kind of makes sense you're right there Actually, no, Louisville's in the center of the state. But same same general region of the country. No one likes you either. And now you're not very good. And it's a beautiful thing. And I can't wait to leave you in the dust when we go to CUSA next year. But I'm I'm riding high on my team's success as we get we get closer and closer to the really important parts of the college basketball calendar. But that's what I got for college basketball. How are your teams doing? Are they uh, they doing well? Are they riding the struggle bus or somewhere in between? Let me know on Twitter. Uh, links in the show description, as always. But uh, that's it for college basketball. Up next, it's been a while since I've done a show recap. Since players ended, which was uh, several months ago, 
That's coming up. So uh, we'll get into The Last of Us coming up next here on The Mashup. So, The Last of Us. I mean, I kind of tip my hand at the beginning of the show if you follow me on Twitter and if you remember how I sounded for the Halo recaps and how insanely angry I was. I, I've tipped my hand at the fact that I love this show. Oh my God. It's so good. It's so good. That was one of the most incredible 90 minutes of television I have ever watched. And I watched it twice. Like, this is not recency bias. That was incredible. That was so good. All right, let's let's break this down chronologically. It opens in 1968, which I was not expecting. I was like, huh, what's this? A 60s talk show with two uh, epidemiologists. And the one guy is like, this was very clearly written in 2020. Like, like th- this guy's lines were very clearly written. Like it, it like peak 2020, like mankind has battled virus since the, since the beginning. And yet we've always come out on top. And the other guy just immediately kills the vibe. Like, Hey, fungus are scary. And then he goes into detail and you're like, Oh, shit, they are. <laughs> like, Cordyceps fungus. Like, when I first heard about them, when when Last of Us was first announced in, like, 2012, I think it was, at E3, and Neil Druckmann and other members of Naughty Dog were, were doing interviews and talking about the real-world Cordyceps fungus. That was horrifying. And then doing it in the show... Like, oh yeah, what if the world just gets a little bit warmer and fungi have to evolve to withstand higher temperatures? And what if what if the cordyceps fungus evolves to uh, survive inside a human body? Like, oh god, there's nothing you can do to prevent it. There's nothing you can do to cure it. We just lose. Holy fuck. <laughs> like that that cold open was chilling. And then you go into the into the the opening credits. Very Game of Thronesy. Uh I think I think that was intentional with like the fungus with like fungus spreading out across the entire the the just the, like the flat map of the US. That was that was a very cool design choice. It's also like it's very like evocative imagery. Like it's very it's very strong imagery, which you know this game has never shied away. F- this franchise now has has never shied away from. But getting getting the main theme, getting getting the main theme like unaltered straight from the main menu of the game. That cra- intentionally crappy guitar. Mwah. chef's kiss beautiful like i was i was sitting on my bed it's like it, it, it's the same music from the game it's the same music from the game 
And then and then it got even better. They just kept ripping stuff straight out of the game. Because the first little bit was like spending more time with Sarah, which not in the game. The The game starts with with uh, Joel coming home, talking to, I assume, Tommy on the phone. And she gives him the watch and you get the, the, the drugs line, which is very funny. Like, always a very funny line. Which I'm glad they again rip like that entire sequence of of Sarah giving Joel the uh, the watch they they rip that straight like again down to the freaking framing of it and what they were wearing like she didn't have pajama bottoms on but she had the same shirt on like just just beautiful. Beautiful cinematography, beautiful acting by both of them. And like, I, I was sitting in bed. I said it with her drugs. I sell hardcore drugs. Like it's such an, it's such an iconic line, despite knowing what's about to happen. And like the, the, the neighbors were horrifying after they turned like, good God. And the poor dog, poor mercy. I don't remember Mercy being in the game. I just remember hearing a dog barking. But then the truck, the truck sequence made both made me so happy, but had my heart racing at like a hundred miles a minute. My heart was pounding that entire sequence. Oh my God. It was so stressful. I know what happens, and it was still so stressful. Like, getting getting Sarah's perspective, just like you had when you were playing the game. It felt like I was playing the game for the first time again. I never thought I'd get that from a video game adaptation. Like, good God. It was so good. And that's just the first half hour. The, the entire sequence with the truck from them getting in to when it crashed and then the aftermath of of Joel carrying Sarah because she can't run because her ankles messed up. Even down to like the chase scene from the one runner that is chasing him through that restaurant. Even that was like frame perfect to the game. It was so good. It was so good. And then, and then that scene happened. And again, it was like basically ripped straight out of the game. Even horrifyingly down to the, down to the noises Sarah was making, the pained screams and crying Sarah was making. It sounded like, like, I thought it was Hannah Hayes. I know it was Nico Parker, but it sounded exactly like Hannah Hayes did 10 years ago. When, when Last of Us came out. Like, oh my God. And then, boom, 20 years later. And like, oh, frick. 
And the the one thing they changed that I didn't like, but it's it's such a minor detail. It's such a minor detail, but it was a nice touch in the game, and I kind of wish they kept it. I don't know how you would do it in live action where you're spending more time with Joel and like have to work with different camera perspectives and stuff because you need to you need to see his face. Like may, maybe hide the watch until the your watch is broken scene. But also like they don't have a shootout with with Robert's goons. So like like they took that out, which again makes sense because that was more of a a gameplay thing. That was more of like a gameplay thing to teach you how the game's combat works before it threw you up against the freaking mushroom zombies. It's like, no, like fight some humans first, then we'll we'll teach you how to deal with the zombies once you get the basics down. Like that was very much like it's part of the story, but it was very much a gameplay tutorial. So you, you didn't really need it in the show. So I get why, but like that made the your watch is broken scene so much more powerful because it kept it a mystery. It's like, did this watch just break today or did it break 20 years ago? And he's just worn it the entire time anyway. Like, like that mystery in the game was a cool touch. It's such a minute detail when they did everything else so perfectly, but I, I did feel the need to bring it up because that was that was a thing in the game I did really like. But... Oh, yeah. Bella Ramsey's introduction as, as Ellie. Picture perfect. Like just kicking the tray of food over to the the firefly people being incredibly sarcastic just just being a sarcastic little shit to them like just sticking her hand out before they asked her counting really quickly her interactions with marlene were very funny like are you my fucking mom or something do i look like your mom no you don't like like, very funny. She even kind of sounds like her. Like, she even kind of sounds like Ashley. Like, when she's trying to break the cuffs off the radiator and she's just got the water dripping on her head and and then she turns around and yells at the drips of water and goes, Ah, fuck her! Like, that sounded like Ashley Johnson saying that in, like, 2012, whenever they did the mocap for uh, for the game. It sounded just like her or her calling Joel an asshole. Like it was, it was dead on. So I to all the haters out there who are saying, Oh, Bella Ramsey doesn't look like Ellie. Ashley Johnson doesn't look like Ellie. Like, look up a picture of Ashley Johnson and put it next to Ellie. They don't look alike. They didn't look alike 10 years ago. Ashley didn't look like Ellie when she was 14. They don't look alike. Like, Ellen Page sued Naughty Dog because Ellie looked so much like her. And 
for the few people I've seen online saying the now Elliot Page should be the one to play Ellie. One, Elliot Page now identifies as a man. And two, is 35. Like, that's only slightly younger than Pedro Pascal. You could get away with that when it's Troy Baker and Ashley Johnson, who are about the same age, but they did all kinds of CG. Like, Troy Baker doesn't look like Joel. The only not like the only naughty dog character. Well, Tess and Marlene, Tess and Marlene look like themselves, but the only naughty dog main character who looks like the actor that portrays them is Nathan Drake. He's the only one. <laughs> like Nathan Drake looks like Nolan North. That's it. And even then, Nate is more muscular than the real Nolan North. <laughs> Like, no, very few Naughty Dog protagonists look like the actors portraying them. Like, maybe the, maybe the guy who, no, the guy, I don't think the guy who played Rafe looked like Rafe. But, yeah, so stop with the hate towards the two main actors, because uh, they... They, they look as much like the characters from the game as the original actors who played them do. Like, Travis Willingham looks more like Joel than Troy Baker does. If you don't believe me, go watch, uh, go watch Thursday by night. The, uh, go, go, you can find, just look up Thursday by night. Watch the first episode. Travis Willingham is dressed as Joel and he looks a lot more like Joel than Troy Baker does. <laughs> Actually, no, it was the second episode was the uh, was the Halloween one. But you can probably find that picture. Travis Willingham looks more like more like Joel than Troy Baker does. But I lost count of how many scenes were ripped straight from the game. Like even down to the importance of the color yellow, which isn't even just the Last of Us thing. It's just a Naughty Dog thing. Like it's in all the Uncharted games, too. Like, this is how you adapt a video game into live action. Live action. I'm, I'm giving props to Arcane because a lot of... A lot of entertainment media are not. Arcane is still a fucking masterpiece. Don't get it twisted. But League of Legends, the game itself, does not have much of a story. Like, there's lore to all the characters and everything, but you don't really experience that in the game. They were adapting the lore, not the not the game itself, because because that would be weird. How would you turn that into a 10 episode or I think it was I think it was 12. How would how would you turn a game of League of Legends into a 12 episode animated masterpiece? It sounds really difficult. But still, I am giving the props to Arcane that it very much deserves. Arcane is a masterpiece. Don't get it twisted by how much I'm complimenting Last of Us. And next week, next week, we're probably going to see clickers for the first time in the show. 
So, uh, I hope everyone is ready for that new level of abject terror. Like, as a concept, I love clickers. Like, as a concept for a horror monster, clickers are incredible. But they also scare the crap out of me. Like, I can just, I'm, I'm hearing the sounds right now. And it's elevating my heart rate. Like, I am creating the sounds in my own brain from my memory, and it's elevating my heart rate. That's how much these things have scared me over the years. And I know I am not alone, and anyone who has played The Last of Us will agree with me that that freaking sound sets off your fight your fight or flight response. I know I'm not the only one. So, uh, people who haven't played the games, um, get ready to, uh, experience a new level of horror, because screw those things. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully they take it slow and don't show the bloaters, too, because they're even scarier. Because they're massive and, like, borderline impossible to kill. But, you know, that's hopefully for another episode. But that's what I got for this episode of the mashup. Hope you all enjoyed. Uh, hope you all enjoyed uh, my the uh, the Last of Us. Hope you all will continue to enjoy both my show and the Last of Us because they're both incredible. God, that sounds so conceited, but I don't really care. You you should expect stupid sign-offs from me by now. Hope you all enjoyed. Hope you all enjoy the rest of your week and. Talk to you guys uh, next week. See you then.